When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Your brain needs support. And new Ollie Brainy Chews are a delightful way to take care of your cognitive health. Made with scientifically backed ingredients like Thai ginger, L-theanine, and caffeine. Brainy Chews support healthy brain function and help you find your focus, stay chill, or get energized. Be kind to your mind and get these nootropic chews at ollie.com. That's O-L-L-Y dot These statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess Listeners. We have a really fun interview with rising social media chess star, chess knowledge with H1. That'll be coming your way momentarily, but I wanted to make sure you guys are up on a few things. Uh, number one, the How to Chess podcast is back. So, of course, this is a more chess improvement focused podcast. It's on a separate feed, so make sure you're subscribed to the How to Chess podcast. It's easy to find on Spotify and Apple Podcasts. You can also get it with video on the Chessable YouTube channel. We've already released a few episodes for season three including with grandmaster ivan sokolov the legendary trainer popular author i am yuri kraken we've got another one that will be out by the time you hear this with i am alex bonzea so again make sure you're checking out the how to chess podcast in addition to the perpetual chess podcast also wanted to thank chessable for supporting the perpetual chess podcast of course they've got so many amazing courses and the newest include one from dutch top commentator and player gm benjamin bach on the nimzo indian marie Ashley is coming soon narrating I am Jeremy Selman's How to Reassess Your Chess. That's obviously going to be a banger, one of the great chess books of all time from one of the great uh, chess presenters of all time. So excited for that one as well, as well as all of my favorites, which I will link to in the show description. While I have you here, make sure you're subscribed to my free chess newsletter, the Perpetual Chess Link Fest. It's just every Friday. I send you a bunch of chess links. From that point, you can read them or ignore them as you wish, but they are delivered to you conveniently for free every Friday. And that is all. We'll get you to the interview with uh, Chess Knowledge with H1. I hope you all enjoy it as I did. Here it is. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to Perpetual Chess Listeners. We are joined by a rising chess social media star, particularly on TikTok, where he is known as Chess Knowledge with H1. He's got 220,000 followers. That's about 220,000 more than me. He's also got 80,000 followers on Instagram, YouTube, 75,000. Um, he is everything I'm not, young, hip. He's also got a chess podcast called Chess Knowledge with H1. His first chessable course is coming in December, which will be out probably shortly after this episode is out. We're actually recording on November 18th, where, uh, getting ahead of the Thanksgiving holiday. But I am excited to welcome to the program H1. Well, known as H1 Online, known as uh, Davon Williams IRL. Welcome, Davon. Good to chat. Hey, yeah, that was good. Um, thanks for the introduction. I've 
Yeah, that's an amazing introduction. I've never got that before. <laughs> Thanks, man. <laughs> I heard you. Well, the I'm best. Excited. <laughs> well, I'm excited to chat with you. We did an interview on your podcast about a year back, and I hadn't checked in on your content in a while, and it blew up. And I was so happy to see that because we had a good good interaction back then. And I know that you've been grinding hard, working hard, um, and and it's paying off. So, um, what do you think changed for you? Um, well, I was doing the podcast for a little bit until I started just doing short form content like the reels and um, videos, YouTube shorts and etc. Because, you know, chess. Yeah, <laughs> I was doing the chess podcast for uh, like a year as solo podcasting, just certain events and stuff until I realized, well, I need to like get a bigger audience, you know, because a chess podcast is only a few people that you can get um, the people that actually wants to listen to chess. but people need visuals right so that's why i decided like on a plan and it all started with the board that's behind me right now <laughs> like the the old school yeah, yeah. sarawan type of uh, board and yeah so it's a big for for yeah. people listening on audio it's a big old school demo board like you would yeah. see in your chess class at school anyway go go on Devon. yeah and i really when i posted the first video i really didn't think that that would work <laughs> but yeah a lot of people like that board and you can honestly fit that board exactly on like a reel or exactly on your phone camera um and it's really good it's really good and i got free room to do whatever i want stand up demonstrate myself to the audience etc and so yeah i just started posting a lot of videos because and i had like a rule especially on youtube like hey i'm just gonna do this many videos, if it doesn't work out, then I'm just gonna go into a different genre or just quit teaching chess forever, you know? <laughs> but it worked out because, you know, the role was a thousand videos, which I got a thousand videos okay, on YouTube. Okay, good for you. <laughs> yeah. And how many a day, roughly, were you doing when you said, all right, I'm gonna do a thousand and see how it turns out? Um. Well, it started at one a day. And then I was like, well, let's try two. And then at the end, if you, if you check my catalog, like, Last year, around July, I was dang near doing six videos a day. <laughs> and that's pretty much all the, like, how much effort you got to put into, like, chess content. Because you're you're basically competing with a lot of people that's posting, like, basically four times a day. And so, yeah, I just wanted to be in the competition. Yeah, so. well, again real testament to your perseverance. Um, and Davon, as we, we chatted a little bit, Previously, you've been working while you're doing this, right? Yeah. Yeah. So I have a nine to five job like everybody else. I'm a truck driver. So I'm able to, e even as truck driving, I'm able to like listen to Perpetual Chess, like the, the podcast too, and get some ideas from like other grandmasters. And then plus, like I was like in the truck, I, I can remember me being on lunch, like forming video ideas. Just, I, I even nice. still have like, um, so I primarily use Lee Chess for or the leech studies part uh, for making the videos and so i would have like 30 videos lined up already of like openings that i wanted to talk about or gambits or games etc it could be anything people liked it so well i guess one thing about being a truck driver is it gives you time to think right <laughs> yeah it's a lot of brainstorming yeah right because you know I i'm not really I've been doing it for a while, so I'm not really like scared of the <laughs> like it doesn't make me nervous backing up a trailer <laughs> anymore. So after <laughs> I'm done doing nervous, that, <laughs> yeah. After I'm done doing that, you know, and then I have some time where 
like I'm writing paperwork or something. I'm just like, just uh, writing outlines, not too long because, you know, still got to work. Usually during lunchtime, I was writing outlines. <laughs> okay. And I mean, as we said, you're getting, getting pretty big. I know that TikTok doesn't monetize as well as some other platforms, or at least that's what I hear. I actually no. wouldn't know. <laughs> um, but, um, but do, do you have thoughts of going full time with your chess content? Yeah, um, I do. But uh, for right now, I'm just taking it one step at a time. You know, I'm just trying to figure out how the, the chess algorithm works. I just have fun primarily. I started this because I just wanted to teach chess. And usually when I'm not teaching chess, it's just like I don't really find enjoyment <laughs> in anything else because I've been doing it for so long. Like I've been doing it for over a decade and it, in high school I had a. I formed my own team there. So like I've pretty much all my life, I've been teaching chess at one point in time. So, you know, yeah. Yeah. And I definitely like to come back and uh, hear some more of your reflections on content. But I did want to get into your origin story, because I think with a, like with a lot of social media personalities and since you focus on short term short form in particular outside of people who listen to to your podcast people probably don't know that much about your background so i went through your uscf page so i don't know that much i yeah. found a few things but one thing that struck me was your first rating was 1600 and that's like super rare um so how did that happen um i, I don't know how that worked but that wasn't my first rating it, it started at oh, okay. yeah. It started at like twelve hundred, and then I went to my first tournament and like got first place there because you have to be in the the twelve hundred sixteen hundred bracket, and so won all those games. It climbed up, and then like as I was after high school, I started more directing the tournaments instead of playing in the tournaments. So sometimes I would play in the tournaments, sometimes I wouldn't, and then I'll get my wins there. But I think the last rating I got on USCF uh, is eighteen hundred, but I don't. I mean, I don't have enough time to play in tournaments anymore. I wish I could. That would be fun um, to like actually get, which that is one of my goals to actually get one title at least. I don't know, be a candidate's master or something, but we'll see. We'll see about that in the future. Yeah, Davon, I have to tell you, you, when some people say they don't have enough time to play tournaments, I'm like, you know. I understand that tournaments are super tiring yeah. and it's a big commitment and that you might not want to commit the time, but I bet you could create the time. But I, that's actually not how I feel about you <laughs> working full time and doing your content on the side. I'd say yeah. it's legit yeah. <laughs> that you don't yeah. have time. But, and the other thing that strikes me looking at your USCF page is like, it, I mean, again, unless it's missing something, you only played like 15 tournaments or something like that. Is that right? Yeah, I, I didn't play that much. Um, most of those tournaments I played in high school, like I said. And then um, after high school, yeah, I was like, I, I made the tournament. And then sometimes I have to put myself in the tournament because, you know, it, it wasn't even and you don't want to like kick somebody right. out. Right. And okay. so, yeah, no, that was that was primarily it. But those tournaments are really important to me because uh, I think, oh, I forgot if it was one of one of the last tournaments I played in high school. I think I I think I played Susan Poger's son. It was either Susan Poger or Judith, Judith Poger. But yeah, that was pretty. Yeah, that was probably interesting. Susan. Yeah. yeah, Susan Poger's son. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So for listeners, he's uh, Devon is based in Missouri. So you're, are you in the St. Louis area? Yeah, yeah. And I met her too one time. I don't think she remembers me, but it was when I was really young. <laughs> okay, I don't know, man. Those grandmasters have amazing memories. You yeah. might be surprised. Um, but so. Only 15 tournaments and you got to 1800. How did how did you do that? Well, I I didn't really start playing the USCF from the start 
because most of my chess came from playing online on chess.com or leechess.org. And then plus in Kansas City, we um we didn't really play in the US CF rating bracket. It was like another rating system. And I would just play right. in regular tournaments. And then I most of my experience came from being in a chess club, you know, um playing random people there that were high rated, like 1700, 1900, et cetera. And then sometimes playing international masters that would come, come in and come out, you know, um, that used to happen a lot more a decade ago. I don't know if that still is a thing. Um, but I they, think it still is in certain. Yeah. Sorry to cut you off. Yeah. Right, go ahead. You can finish. I, what I, was you're saying. Gonna, I was going to say, I don't know if it's still a thing because back then it seemed like everybody used to just go to the library and just play chess on, um, on the weekend. <laughs> Yeah, I've heard that there are certain like scholastic enclaves here in the U.S. where they, the proprietor might have their own rating system. So people eventually get fed into the USCF system with uh, with different rating strengths that you might not expect from new players. And obviously now in the online age, like everything is scrambled to begin with. I mean, you can be so good when you show up for your first tournament, which, you know, even 10, 15 years ago, that didn't really happen. And internationally, obviously, this has been going on for a long time where... Um, especially as it compares to FIDE, but but they're often like smaller, um, you know, smaller rating bodies that necessarily aren't as um, as accurate. But anyway, so I mean, it does make more sense that you were playing strong competition uh, by the time you got fed into USCF. Um, so you mentioned you played a lot. What else did you do to uh, to get good at chess, Devon? <laughs> well, um, I've. YouTube is probably the best teacher, honestly. And there's probably some teachers out there that don't even know that they taught me. Like, first of all, you asked Sarah Juan, Maurice, like nice. the commentation um, on the, the first tournament that I've seen all the way through was the St. Phil Cup in 2014. And it was like the best commentator, uh, best commentary. <laughs> I can't say the word. Commentary. Yeah, yeah. Commentary in the world to me as a, as a young dude. I was I was um at that age. I, was, I think I was 14, 15. And it was the tournament where Fabio de Caruana got like eight points um, in that tournament, 8.5 against all the great uh, grandmasters like Magnus Carlsen, Topolov, et cetera. And I was like, wow, this is cool. This is online for free. Like, <laughs> it's not like a yeah. paywall because, you know, I didn't like back then I was a teenager. I didn't have the funds to pay the paywall. So I couldn't see yeah. like the master games. So it's just a unique world that we're living in right now. It's, it's a cool era that yeah. you can see even grandmasters like Hikaru Nakamura um just playing oh, I mean streaming just every day is <laughs> crazy yeah. to me because it didn't used to have it that is. decade ago yeah that's funny I mean obviously as you mentioned that was a legendary performance by Fabiano of all the tournaments to just kind of yeah. get like join join the online chess world for that was a good one because that was uh, some some historic stuff um so what about these days I'm guessing I mean, it, again, it doesn't sound like you have a lot of free time, mm -hmm. um, so maybe not watching as many other content creators as you would like. But do you have uh, favorites that you that you watch both from a, like your own chess growth perspective and from like uh, maybe I can get a few ideas perspective? Well, um, nowadays, I don't. Hmm. I'm trying to think about all the <laughs> like if I need to catch up on news, I'll watch Gotham Chess, of course. If I need to just if I just want to watch some go. Uh, cool gameplay. I'll watch a car Nakamura, but I used to watch a lot more chess content creators back when I was doing nothing. Back when I was training, like John Bartholomew, um, all of the OGs in chess. I, I always talk about this. Nice. All the OGs in chess, chess bra. Um, 
man, I used to watch a lot of their content. I, King Crusher, I don't know if he's still making content. Oh, but for, I yeah. interviewed him. Yeah. Yeah. It was way back. Yeah. Yeah. It, and it was brand new, like to see people playing bullet games just online. And it was crazy when I was seeing, I was like, wow, there's something. Because when I was growing up, I didn't know that there was something bigger than my rating. Like, <laughs> I didn't know right. until you actually look online and see, wow, these guys are playing bullet games and having 90% accuracy. Like, it's crazy. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I can relate. And so when you were coming up, um, playing frequently um, in, in Missouri, did you have teachers? Like, what else got you good? Did, were, reading books? Was it, yeah. I mean, you mentioned the early content. Was there anything else? So I started on, so when I started playing chess, first of all, my brother, my big brother, um, he taught me like how to pieces move. And I used to play against him all the time. And I've said this story a lot of times, like the first episode where my brother would just beat me relentlessly for like a the first year playing chess because I, I didn't know any better. I didn't know how right. to develop pieces, but I started learning on this chess program and it, it was on a PlayStation 2. So it was probably abnormal nice. for like how everybody else learned. But there was this chess program on a PlayStation 2 called Chess Master. And it was with Josh Wainskin and um, um, Larry, I've got that thing. Larry Christensen. And um, yeah, that's where the primary of my chess knowledge came from, where I learned tactics, strategy, um, combinations, openings, etc. This whole new world, because back then, before that, I would just play the double fee and kettle because that's what somebody taught me. Like the first thing somebody taught me. <laughs> right. I didn't know about the Italian game. I didn't know about the Ray Lopez or all these different. Op- I didn't know those that even existed. <laughs> right. And so. When I, um, so when I started learning how to play chess there, I would go to chess clubs too. And I was going to chess tournaments pretty much every, every two months, there was like a a local chess tournament in Kansas city. And that's where the bulk of my knowledge came from. And when, at a young age, I started teaching chess too. And that was, that was good too. At the same time, uh, as a young dude, um, with my brother and we would just go to different schools and that's where I get my experience in. And I was doing that for the first few years. Um, just, just grinding chess, um, just doing anything I could, anything I could just listening to Josh Wainskin too, as he talks about, um, well, dang, the, the formulas of, I, I don't know. He just has some really cool lessons on the chess master program. Yeah, he's a good teacher. Yeah. yeah. Uh, in a recent interview, um, uh, my friend Todd Bryant was was touting his old books as yeah. well. Apparently, they stand up uh, pretty well. Mm-hmm. Um, man, that's I mean, it's it's great that you've you've come that far that now yeah. you've got like hundreds of thousands of people um, tuning in to to your videos. <laughs> so you credit your success partially to the demo boards. A um, mm-hmm. couple things I got to ask you. Number one, and I'm sure you get asked this a lot, but where does the uh, chess knowledge with H1, where does the H1 come from? <laughs> well, um, I've been actually doing the social media thing, tr- trying to for a while, like in and out before this. Like I used to stream, it, it used to be actually H1, <laughs> uh, H1N1.com. <laughs> okay. And, you know, I didn't feel like that that was appropriate at the time to present myself as like H1N1 because that was a swine flu virus, which I did get as a sixth grader. And that's where it came from. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Because everybody was dying from the, from that yeah. virus. And so, 
yeah, I got it one time and I was like, oh, that's a cool name. And that's like my joke name that I would use for all my game tags. And it's actually right. still is. It's like H1N1.com or something, but not like the dot spelled out D-O-T. <laughs> uh-huh. Just being stupid. But no. And then I just shortened it because uh, one of my brothers was like, why Why did you just shorten it to H1? I was like, oh, that actually sounds good. And it's a square on the board. So, hey, it yeah, works yeah, out. That's, I was wondering, wondering if it had to do with the square on the board. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so you mentioned with the demo board that you feel like that's been a big part of your success. People like it. Um, one other distinctive thing I got to ask you about is throwing the pieces. So when you do your short form video, um, after a piece gets captured, Devon just kind of chucks it up into the air. Like, is that something you were doing all along or did it pick pick it up along the way? Well, I, so I looked at this video and I was looking up all these videos on how to captivate an audience. And so I was just trying to think of ways to keep the audience like watching the video. And I was like, you know what? What if I just chuck these pieces? And it's, it sounds like a fun idea. Let me just do it for the first time. And then it just felt good doing it. So I was like, let's just do it for the rest of the videos. <laughs> and then people started liking it. I think people started noticing it um, after the hundredth video that I did. I was like, what? He's checking all these pieces. <laughs> and now, you know, it's crazy. Now, if you look at the pieces, I know the audience came. If you're just listening to it, it's like chipped <laughs> from oh, throwing funny. it. And so now I have to like buy new pieces. <laughs> right. <laughs> Which is hard to buy. Is like it's only on one yeah. website that I've seen it I on. Mean- <laughs> right. I mean, it used to be you could get the backup demo pieces. I've I've done my time with the demo boards too. Yeah. Um it 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 used to be like three dollars or something for a backup bag, but I'm guessing everything's so digital that as you say, they're like a little harder to find than they used to be. Yeah, it's like no, it's like twenty nine right now. It's like oh, just for the pieces. Just for the pieces. Not, yeah. Nine in wow. the board. Yeah. Okay, man. I mean, I guess I might be thinking of, so we're going to go super deep on the demo boards here because, um, Davon, is that magnetic, your board? No, it's it's, po- like, it's pockets. Okay. And- okay, because I was going to say, some of the nicer ones are magnetic, and then there's the ones with like slots, basically, mm-hmm. basically, which Davon has a nice version of the slotted one. There's also like a sort of more plastic looking one, which mm-hmm. is, or vinyl, um, which is uh, the one that I um, taught the most on. But anyway, we're getting deep in the weeds on uh, on the demo boards. But I was going to ask, because you do have some videos too, Devon, where you have a physical chess set. So how do you decide what to use? Well, I primarily use this board. Um, the dis- I was just trying something new. And because it, um, I've seen people use, like, uh, I-, I would want to, like, use different chess sets. And this one is pretty nice too. So I just use that one. <laughs> okay yeah it's hard to choose but most people know me from the the wall chessboard so i just primarily use that okay yeah and now you've got your chess uh your chessable course coming out in december mm-hmm. um i'm slowly working on a chessable course as well um i'm personally working in in chess base like is that different for you now instead of just sort of doing a visual thing yeah. like you've actually gotta gotta write it all out how's that process going Devon? yeah it it was a lot um to begin with and it's it's taken me a while and i put a lot of effort into it like it, i had to cut back on even some content because i put so much effort into it but um it's got done and i'm i'm proud of it i'm actually pretty confident that it's going to do well um so yeah, no, nah, I'm I'm really excited. <laughs> nice. So what's 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 the course? What's yeah. the hook for the course? So it's um, opening traps. You must learn by H one. 
by each one chest. Ah, yeah, that's perfect. That's right in your wheelhouse. Yeah. I was going to ask you about <laughs> openings. So anyway, go on. <laughs> yeah. So I decided to make this course and I was like talking to the um, person and I was like, this sounds perfect and nobody's doing it and everybody's doing it online. And so, you know, they thought that it was a great idea. So, yeah, I started making a, um, I started making the videos and mm-hmm. writing the, um, the notation for it because, um, and I was thinking too, like I've seen a lot of opening traps um, back in the day online, and all these people professing that these this opening trap is really good that you can use to defeat your opponent every single time. Just like there's a few right. few lies in that sentence, <laughs> because as you become <laughs> tougher, obviously the opening yeah. trap is going to happen. So in my course, I actually like teach, hey, this is a bad opening trap, but if you want to have fun with this, then have fun. And and then I have good opening traps too, where um, you can actually, after their opening trap, after you present it and the opponent doesn't fall for it, you can actually play a regular game. Like my favorite one was is with the Catalan. You know, it's, it's very simple um, and you can play a, a legit game and it's very it's a very good move to play in Blitz too. So I, I'm excited to share it. Awesome. Yeah, I was going to, like I said, I was going to ask you because um, even just like scrolling through your videos on, on TikTok, like there's so many opening traps. Is it hard to keep coming up with ideas or is that something you were into to begin with? It is hard because there's not that many that I like. And I, I keep right. on deciding like, man, should I show this one? Should I not? And sometimes in my videos, I say, man, this is just a bad opening trap to. <laughs> to yeah, like I like I like your orangutan. <laughs> yeah, it's like. <laughs> And I'm actually basically su- like <laughs> I'm actually surprised that like people lost this way because some of these opening traps came from real games like short games and I'm like right. wow this is this is crazy that this was a grandmaster game back in the 1900s and people still lose to these opening traps very easily <laughs> because right. they don't know them. Yeah. I like the orangutan one. He's basically, so for listeners, I'll link to it in in the description, but he basically shows like one sequence of the orangutan and he, you know, he's that's one B4, also called the Polish for listeners. Um, and he shows a sequence and it re- reaches this weird position and you're basically like, this position is nonsense. I don't want to show this in video events. Man. But yeah, the orangutan so is just one that, of those openings. You would think someone might cut that, but that one got a lot of a lot of engagement, right? <laughs> yeah. I usually try not to cut it because usually the mistakes is what people zero in on, and it, it right. gets it gets more views. So I don't like cutting it uh, when I do a mistake. I just I just got used to just posting everything because you don't want to be in that mindset where everything should just be perfect because that just takes the um, the humor out of it. I I don't know. I feel like I'm in I, like I try to be entertaining as possible you know the most entertaining right in my videos and so i, I like putting the bloopers out there and the mistakes okay mm-hmm. and so you're doing videos for tiktok and for youtube shorts and i assume on instagram as well although i forgot to check there so are you posting i mean i assume <clears throat> you would be you're posting the same videos for each of those outlets yeah i am tiktok is a little bit different because some things change like um i think the creator fund is going away so like it, yeah, they're trying to I think they're trying to get away from shorter form content, like a minute or less content. They're trying to get away from that and be a little bit more like YouTube. So now I got to like do separate content on TikTok and uh, and the same content on YouTube, Facebook, and Instagram, of course. So okay. now, now that's separate. And on TikTok, I do a lot more things like I live stream and stuff and, and teach people. OK. Mm-hmm. And on YouTube, um. You do longer form videos as well, right? Yeah. Yeah, I do. Sadly, the algorithm doesn't 
like help me well mm-hmm. in the longer yeah. form videos but that's that's generally how it works i'm still deciding on like should i just make a whole nother channel with my long form content and just put it on there instead because it just it doesn't work out <laughs> Yeah, I wondered about that. I mean, I, I'm certainly <laughs> I couldn't give any advice on yeah. YouTube, but yeah. I did see that you're getting more traction with your shorter videos. And I wondered, like, especially as busy as you are, it's got to be tough yeah. to figure out, uh, like, what to emphasize. Yeah, no, or prioritize. It is tough because I, I do want to do more longer form content. But, you know, um, the shorts do progress the channel a, lo- a lot more. And and with longer form content, you got to put so much effort into it. like like being interested in the yeah. first minute and keeping the viewers captivated and and you got to have a good thumbnail because if you do, like you can have the best video ever but if you have a bad thumbnail or a bad title it just ruins the whole thing and yeah it's just it's so much work into the longer form content so i'm still deciding but i'm favoring longer form content a little bit more and so that's what i'm going to be prioritizing because i don't want to like like leave those um people that like that um content like i have uh, a lot of videos and i created playlists for all those videos so I that's actually good yeah them. yeah and there is something like like what you were saying about how like if you mess up in a in a short it's almost like a feature people people would enjoy that right. but in a long <laughs> form i feel like people would be like yelling at you in the comments you know <laughs> that is too true that is uh, so true too because it's yeah that you don't expect that in a longer form content um so yeah yeah um um, so I try to be perfect and I actually edit those videos out. Like, I don't want my mistakes being in there. Um, because it's like you said, it's not good. <laughs> it's not good at all. Yeah. If you don't want people yelling at you, it's not good. I mean, right. you know, maybe it'll find an audience. You never know. But, but, but a lot of people yell at me in shorts be... too. They, they'd be like, uh, <laughs> you know, I actually got comments of people saying, uh, why are you throwing the pieces? <laughs> it's like, that's disrespectful. I'm like, I'm not trying to be disrespectful. I'm trying to <laughs> like, clearly I'm appeasing the young crowd. Like I'm not <laughs> right. disrespectful. So, disrespectful to who? The piece? Like, what, yeah. What? So <laughs> it's clearly going to be, it's going to be anybody that's going to, um, I don't know, give a comment about something that they hate about the content that I make. So I just keep on making it and I'm still happy doing it. So <laughs> awesome. And how's the, how's the podcast going, Devon? Yeah, the podcast is going really well. Um, I'm just doing the audio version right now. I, I would want to do the long term version. I don't know in the future. Um, no, the video version in the future. But I don't know. We'll see. It's your setup is a lot more different from mine. I'm just a solo podcaster. So sometimes I have guests, sometimes I don't. And it's like right. when there's no content, there's just no content. Like, <laughs> and there's, there's only so much you can like teach about, which I don't mind yeah. still teaching like the five mistakes that a beginner shouldn't do. Yeah, you mean no video, fine. right? Yeah. Yeah. No video. Yeah. It, yeah. It's definitely a challenge. Um, yeah. And so you mentioned following the Sinkfield Cup, that legendary tournament in 2014, when you got mm-hmm. back into it, like, are you still following top chess? Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I try to uh, like the there's the European. Um, I forgot what that chess, championship. Yeah, there's that championship yeah. that's going on. I actually went over some video. I, I went over some games in a video, especially the Magnus Carlsen game. And then there was one game that ended in like 20 moves, which is crazy. The position that he got himself in where there's like a fork everywhere <laughs> in that huh. game but yeah i still try to follow um chess content some there are some tournaments that i miss but i'm nowadays i'm more intrigued of the like the rapid and blitz 
um, tournaments more than my okay. classical because I don't have time to yeah. sit and watch the classical. I, I mean, I'm a I'm mostly a family man. I got two kids. I got a wife. Like yeah, <laughs> and so yeah. I mean, it's a it's amazing. Like huge respect for the the amount of work you're putting into your content with all that going on. It's um, super impressive. And yeah, I was also curious, like on a personal level, I mean, I noticed from the content that I put out that a lot of people are interested in their own games, um, but don't really have time to follow a top level chess, which I, I totally get. But I was also curious to what extent you've tried covering top chess, like in your content. Mm-hmm. Well, have you done any videos like I mean, you just mentioned one or two, mm-hmm. but like, have you ever like tried to cover tournaments and stuff like that? Yeah, I've tried. I think that. Personally speaking, I think that sector is actually saturated because there's so many um, good chess players that's already commentated on it. Like um, Agat Mentor, uh, he's pretty Agamator, good. Yeah. Agamator, yeah. yeah, he's pretty good. And Gotham Chess already does it. And so, like, based on the analytics that I see, yeah, it's just, yeah, I, think, I don't know. It's pretty saturated. Yeah, I think your instincts are probably... Um, probably right there mm-hmm. um so how old are your kids Devon? both of my kids is under three years old so yes i've oh. been getting no sleep and <laughs> yeah man <laughs> and yes um we're just doing the best we can <laughs> at the yeah, house. you just got to survive those years man i mean they, they do obviously have their gratifying moments like it's not like a pure slog mm-hmm. but um but for the, the balance of like you time to kid time it does it feels like it's never gonna go back yeah. But it does shift back somewhat in a, in a few years. So yeah. you, you got that to look forward to, as well as watching those uh, little creatures grow up, which yeah. is a, a lot of fun. And I like this um, age, too. Do you think too. they're going to play chess? I like this age, too. Yeah, yeah. Sorry. Um, yeah, it's 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 fun. I don't know. It's not. I don't know. It's it's kind of weird because I was thinking maybe I should just teach them chess right now at the edge at the red because they might be interested and they want to do like all the stuff that I do. But at the same time, like nobody really forced me into chess. Um, right. It, it just came about and I like really wanted to learn. And so I don't know which way I want to like teach the kids. <laughs> I don't know. I, I don't know if I should just wait on them to actually be interested in learning um, like how to move the pieces, how to play the game, or if I should just like force them into it. <laughs> yeah, I think every parent grapples with those sort of questions. I I took it. Like I didn't force it on my kids at all. And now they don't really play chess, you know, so mm-hmm. um, which, you know, there's a lot of interesting topics in the world. So that's not, you know, that's not a disaster or anything. Yeah. But there is a part of me that, that <laughs> wonders like no. what I could have done differently. One thing I've mentioned this before on the pod, um, other other parent mom and dad listeners might have different opinions. But I taught my older kid, my son when he was five or six and i decided there's always the question of like are you gonna let them win and i decided i wasn't gonna let him win and i think that might have hurt his interest at some point so if i could do it all over again i would at least experiment a little more with either letting him win or designing more games where he could win um you know whether it be like material handicaps or pawn races or whatever it may be because I do think that might have um, made him less interested from the beginning. Yeah, that that sucks. And I mean, that's respectful because that's kind of like the mindset. I, I, I probably have to take that advice because from my thinking, like when you're starting out chess and I usually tell all my students this, 
um, it's a humbling experience because exactly. you just, you're lo- you're literally losing for the first year because you don't know anything and just learning the pieces. You're only going to beat the local kid down the street. You're not going to beat like anybody that's actually like knows the amount of knowledge that you know. And so, yeah, you're going to be losing. And yeah, th- that's a hard thing to get through. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's tough. You know, there's this part of you that you're like, you, you want your kid to know that it's a cold, dark world and he needs to learn from his mistakes, you know? Um, but maybe you don't want them to know right away, you know? Yeah. Maybe you want them to be like, hey, my dad's a chess master, but I beat him right away. I'm amazing, you know? So, um, yeah, it's a, right. it's, it's a tough balance. Gosh. Um, so what is your... so? Obviously, you're doing a lot of opening content, but like from a personal perspective, like what do you like the best about chess? What appeals to you about it just in your own mm-hmm. chess game? Um, Just so what appeals to me now is very different from what it used to appeal to me when I was a young age when I had to be cutthroat <laughs> because uh-huh. I like like being in front of somebody and then watching them squirm and lose and like think about ways to get out of the situation. And that was just, <laughs> I was just, a, that's kind of the mindset that you have to have as a, as a person that's like trying to win <laughs> at chess tournaments. But nowadays I, I just like primarily like the community and the comedy, the commentators that be working really hard to broadcast um, chess and be entertaining with it as well, yeah. because that's a really hard feat to do. And, you know, I, and that's why I started creating content in the first place, because I just wanted to make chess entertaining because it can be And a decade ago. I don't think it really was like, <laughs> like for some people that was trying to make it entertaining. And uh, let me just explain. There's like, when I was learning how to play chess, there is a, a guy teach me openings and it was very monotone, no expression. And that's basically all the content was like a decade ago. But nowadays we got like some expressions. We got Maurice Ashley saying um, this game is busted. You know what I mean? And yeah. we, got, uh, <laughs> we got Gotham chess and he has a, his whole different personality with the game. And I like it. It's, it's really cool. So I enjoy the community. And um, it, but if we're talking about inside the game, I enjoy just figuring out problems and figuring out how to finesse the opponent to get in a win. Um, no matter, uh, I mean, uh, no matter what, and, uh, you know, just being an underdog too, in some positions and then tr- getting a draw and a win always satisfies me. <laughs> that's, mm-hmm. that's always been a pleasure of mine. It's like, yes, finally I saved this position. <laughs> nice. Yeah. The art of the swindle. Yes. Yeah. And what would you say your, your playing style is? I, there's this old chess personality website. I think it's still up. I think it's still up that I use. And they said I'm a positional attacker. That's like the the terminology that okay. they use. And there's a, a grandmaster that told me a long time ago, you're, yeah, you're positional, but like if you're given the opportunity to attack, you always take it. And so I, I guess like, yeah, that's the, that's kind of my personality on the chessboard. Like Bachmanik, I, I, I okay. guess. Yeah. Excellent. And do you have, so obviously, again, making all these opening videos, but what's your personal favorite opening? It's the Catalan. Yes. Oh, yeah. wow. Okay. Yeah. yeah. And nobody likes to play it that much. I'm like, dang it. But then I found some other openings. So I, if you don't play the Catalan and you want to get me in like a King's Indian defense structure, which is whack, I'll just play the Trumpowski because I don't like. Okay. 
and take your night and just mess up your whole little <laughs> whole right. little thing that you wanted to do because I hate there's certain openings that I just hate playing against and I will avoid it at all costs like the Bononi defense don't even try to play that against me I will I will not okay. play it I will not play it against you <laughs> and whatever okay. game you try to throw at me hey it's it's no, I'm not playing it against you. I'm not accepting it. <laughs> I'm cool. That's funny because a lot of people feel that way about playing against the Catalan. Yeah, but, but you have you want it on your turf and they want it on theirs. And yeah, I used to play the Benoni and after D4, Knight F6, C4, C5. When they if they would play like E3 or something, my heart would just sink. You know, <laughs> <laughs> even though like these days the engines hate the Benoni. Like you know, yeah. I was volunteering for objectively a bad position, and E3 is not as feisty. Um, but but, but yeah, I mean, you got to think about the styles of the players yeah. as well. And, and this is, um, and there was a certain moment when I started hating the Benoni. I, I wasn't, I didn't used to be like this. I actually studied it. There was one time where I did extensive study, studying of that opening. I was like, okay, I'm about to go into it. I know a position that I want and I know the plans. And I still lost. Like, I still lost <laughs> against my opponent. And I was like, I don't, I don't know the secrets. I don't know the mysteries. I'm quitting this opening now i'm quitting trying to punish the benoni because i know the computer hates that opening i know it yeah. <laughs> but i as a human you you just don't know why <laughs> you don't know why you hate it yeah yeah and and you don't have a lot of time to investigate it between the kids and, <laughs> and the content right and the job so yeah to totally uh totally understandable um, well, Devon, this has been awesome. Um, one thing I definitely want to do before we say goodbye is, I mean, you've been, how many years have you been making content now? Um, I will say a couple years, seriously. Okay. Mm -hmm. So actually, I mean, it feels like a long time because you, you made so much content, mm -hmm. but I mean, there's a lot of people who grind it out for many years and don't see the, the success that you have. So it's a yeah. testament to your perseverance and your originality. Um, so what, what tips do you have for other would be chess content creators? What tips? The biggest tip that sort my rating, um, is learning how to, um, the thought process of chess. That's the biggest tip. Because most people, and I didn't even know it until like a couple years ago. Like, like I said, I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of books and I didn't have a lot of um, information in my hands to like look stuff up. And so I didn't grow up with the internet either. So I didn't know the thought process of how to think about a chess position. Like the first step is to look at your opponent's threats. Second step, look at all of your threats, all your um, forcing moves that captures checks and threats. And then um, look, at, look for all the candidate moves. And then the third step, actually calculate all the forcing moves first. And then, um, and then fourth step, um, blunder checking. That's probably the best tip that I can give somebody and just focus on doing that faster and faster and faster <laughs> and putting a certain limit, especially when you're doing puzzles. I think every grandmaster now suggests, Hey, um, when you're doing puzzles, don't just stick on one puzzle for like 10 minutes, like time yourself, you know, don't, don't do that. Mm -hmm. And especially in the beginning, um, I would say it's mostly about pattern recognition. Don't, don't try to do hard calculation puzzles yet until you can find a fork in like half a second, you know? And so that's the tips that I would, like give somebody seriously if they're trying to improve quickly and then plus that, learn it from your own mistakes like most people don't yeah, even like yeah look, for sure most people don't even like losing uh, looking at their losing games and i would say look at it dive deep into it even the like the simple queen blunder like figure out why you lost that queen <laughs> like what was you yeah. thinking about what like you was thinking about the next game like why did you lose that queen yeah <laughs> no that's important yeah and as you highlight sometimes it's not 
unnecessarily chess reason. It's, it's that you got distracted or something, and then you need to mm-hmm. to work on that. Um, that was amazing advice, Devon. But I a- actually asked you for content creators' advice, so oh. let's get content creator oh, advice no. too. But that was great. So, but but let's hear the content creator advice as well. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Okay. So, content creators, I would just, well, how I did it um, was pretty different from most content creators because mostly people put like a lot of time and quality into like one video, and then it just um, um, goes it goes viral or something, or um, or another thing happens. But I would just say just keep on being consistent with your videos. Um, if you're trying to get into chess content, man, you better start posting every day or something. Um, that's what I'll that's what I'll say. Just keep on posting, even if it's like once a week. Just keep on posting and figuring out the algorithm and um, be better in each video. Like get one percent better. That's actually the best advice that I can give. Um, and being interesting and doing what you don't get burnt out though, and doing um, what you love to do. Um, but still following the trend <laughs> because you have to awesome. do that. There's no way to get around that. Yeah. Do you, I mean, I feel like with all that you have going on, do you, have you had periods where, where you were burnt out? Yeah, no, that, that burnt me out severely. And, um, yeah, it took me a while to come back. Um, because it's, I slowed, clearly I slowed down from like the six, six videos a day because yeah, that's stressful. All right. And YouTube yeah. and YouTube punishes you if something changes in that like schedule. So if you start posting six, <laughs> six times a day, you're going to have to do that for like, uh, at least until you want to quit <laughs> because yeah. YouTube like, Hey, you didn't post a video at this time. Now we're going to like dock some, dock some views from you now. <laughs> that's what I feel like happened. <laughs> it, it probably didn't happen. I don't know, but that's what I feel like happened. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing. However you cha-ching from the launch your online shop stage all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, from what I understand, like so much just depends on who they show your video to, you know, who who it's popping up for. So they it could could definitely be true. I mean, I know Levy, when I've interviewed him, he's talked about the the importance of consistency and how like if you miss a day, you get punished, so on and so forth. So mm-hmm. uh I think I think you're on to something there. Um all right, well Davon, this has been great. It's great to great to I'm sure a lot of your fans are happy to to get more background info. Um, anything else you feel like um, your fans or like new fans uh, should know about you that we haven't discussed? Huh. Well, I post on mostly um, all social media accounts. Uh, so Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and et cetera. And um, yeah, no, I, we almost, yeah, we went over everything. I got a course coming out. I, I post on YouTube. I, I, if you just look at those videos um, uh, and listen to them, you're going to definitely gain something out of it. And you're definitely going to 
every beginner should be able to get to a thousand ELO on chess.com. That's what I would say. <laughs> that's what, okay. that's like a, my motto that I always say, because it's, it doesn't matter what age you're at. It doesn't matter if you started learning how to play chess. It doesn't matter if you think that you're too dumb for the game, which you're not. I don't know why people think mm-hmm. that. So, um, but no, we, we went over everything. Great. Okay. Well, I'll link to all your socials, but I actually just thought of two more questions I got to ask for you. Okay. Uh, number one. So Devon, I'm a 46 year old dad. My main content is this podcast. I'm not planning on changing that. Um, I do sometimes have someone help me make little shorts that are just like clips from the interview, but with, um, you know, with, with the, the transcript of the, of what's being said, scrolling across the bottom of the screen. Um, Instagram, like it might get a little engagement, but I mean, the goal is not really for my my those clips to blow up. It's just maybe a couple new people will discover the podcast. But on TikTok, like zero people watch, like absolutely zero. <laughs> so the question is, should I even bother? Should I continue trying with that? Or should I just say, you're yeah. too old for this site, Ben, give it up. <laughs> There's plenty of other avenues to pursue. Yeah, that's that's what happened to me when I was posting clips on the podcast on TikTok. No, um, uh-huh. Yeah, unless it's controversial or something, it's not going to pop up on TikTok. But if you want to create like one minute segments on TikTok, I don't know if do you do you put like the most interesting parts on TikTok? I'm guessing I try. Yeah, I mean, maybe, maybe I fail, but, but uh, I try. Is, is it a video form or is it? Yeah, yeah, it's video. Video form? Huh. Yeah, nah. Um, it, it could be your technique too. Like sometimes you got to like do the engagement techniques, like zooming in on faces or um, having captures on words. I would have to look at it. <laughs> I would have to yeah. look at it and see what you're I, doing. <laughs> yeah, I think I'm just going to give up. <laughs> <laughs> There's plenty of other uh, seas to swim in. All that right. And last question on your YouTube, on your YouTube stuff where people comment, what is the single most prevalent comment? What comment do you see more than any other? Um, I like how this guy throws pieces. <laughs> That's pretty much the comment that I see on, on the most viral videos. Hey. I was like, okay. Hey. If you can build a career around that, all, yeah. that's awesome. All, all the more power to you. No, but but you do do, your videos are very compelling. I found myself sucked in even when I was uh, prepping for this interview. So congrats on the success. Hopefully, you know, hopefully it only continues from here. Mm-hmm. And again, it's, I think... I mean, a lot of people listening, obviously everyone listening loves chess, um, but a lot of people dabble in content and for you to have this success with everything else you have going on is uh, truly inspirational. So congrats, Devon, and keep it up. Thank you.